education without implementation is entertainment, right? So a lot of people just over-educate, over-educate and never actually do anything. And that's the, the you know, the best way to, to overcome your fears is to take action, right? Yes. One of the best ways to optimize management and to increase the value of your self-storage facility is through property management. And that means you're going to need really good property management software. That's where Tenant Inc. comes in. These guys have a huge amount of tools at your fingertips that you guys can deploy to extract the maximum amount of value at your storage facility. Again, this is Tenant Inc. Be sure to check them out. They're all things property management. It's truly your one-stop shop. Check them out. Link is in the show notes. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income. And I am excited about today's episode because we're interviewing my friend and a member of our inner circle, Mike. Well, he went like all out. He got a big deal. Really excited to go through this with him and uh, hear how it went down, especially in these you know, challenging times that we've been in in the last eight months. So this should it be is. good. Yeah, no, I'm excited to dive into it. Let Mike share his story with everybody because again, yeah, it has been challenging for a lot of people. And it's been amazing to see the members of our group come in. Um, and we've, we've had several that were able to get deals done in 2023. It was super hard to do. 2024 is off to a, a you know slow start here, hoping to see some changes. But uh, no, really excited to dive into it and figure out, you know, how exactly are these guys coming in utilizing this information, going out, finding deals, getting them done, and building that financial freedom and wealth. That's right. So with that, Mike, welcome, man. Uh, appreciate you jumping on here to talk to us about what you've been up to and how you got this done. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I, I always enjoy seeing you guys. And uh, it's cool that we're on the opposite ends of the, uh, the I guess, at the United States here. So Yep. Thank God for technology. So it feels like I'm sitting in there with you guys on the dinosaur head. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Well, why don't you give people just a quick intro to you and, you know, w w what you do, how you got interested in this and give a little backstory here. So it gives context to people uh, before we dive into the deal. Yeah, sure. No problem. So I've been, uh, let's see, winding it way back. I'm, I'm an ex-corporate guy uh, for eight years, worked for a, one of the biggest corporations in the world, traveled around, lived in Europe, um, been to Asia, done some work over there, came back to the United States. I'm in the Charlotte, North Carolina market, uh, been full-time as a real estate investor since 2005, um, started uh, with lease options on single-family homes, um, taking over people's mortgages subject to the existing financing, uh, reselling them on terms or, or a lease, lease to own. Um, then glorious um, 2008 hit, and that was our first downfall, right, our downturn. Um, luckily, I made it through, not without a couple of gashes, but uh, when everyone else was going out of business, I somehow slid through. So that was tough. And um, then I got into... Prime, well, during those times, we developed like a foreclosure uh, short sale business. So we were helping people save their homes and by doing short sales with all the banks. And that was just a ton of negative energy um, all the time. I mean, it was great to help people and whatnot, but you know, you could be working at the beginning, you're working on a file for four to six months and then it, it may or may not close. And by the end, it was like banks were like, we're not approving these. And it was 18 months in and all that work, you're not getting paid. Uh, so that was challenging. So 
coming out, that rounds me out to about uh, 2012, 2013. I said, hey, you know, I always love building and developing things. So I figured out um, in the Charlotte market, all the REITs were coming in at that time and some of the bigger players, and they were buying and buying chunks of houses and renovating them and renting them. So what I did is just develop like an acquisition strategy to basically get everything in the outskirts of the city and the county. And I built my team to travel, my, my rehab team. So we traveled around putting nice product in like more of the country, uh, tertiary environments, and that went really well. People were received the product well. Um, so I, I did that and then I've been involved in um, probably just about every kind of single family strategy, uh, long-term rentals, short-term rentals. Uh, we still own, uh, most of my portfolio is, is that and small, small multifamily and then now storage. So that's kind of that's the background. I've been in storage three years now. Um, I, I knew a couple other buddies in another mastermind group, uh, just more of a real estate mastermind that had been presenting on it and it looked interesting. And then, um, believe it or not, I used to run TV ads uh, for our single family business. So someone had called in off one of my ads and had a rental property and we didn't get that deal, but he said, hey, I've got this storage units over here. And we're like, well, what's that? And then it resonated in my mind. I'm like, oh, this is what my other buddy was talking about. So I called my other buddy. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, I think you should do the deal. It's a small one. So we still have that one. Um, and that's how we got in three years ago. So yeah, it was kind of a Kind of a 20, 20, 15, 20 years down to uh, two to three minutes, I guess. So <laughs> off a TV commercial ad you were doing. Yes, That's I was fun. on TV. That's uh, a new one. You know, it's like, I'm Mike Moulton and I want to buy your house. Like, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was somewhat cheesy, but it converted. So that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I had some media guys and they're like, this is what you should do. I said, okay, that's cool. Now, so that's how basically how that was. I'm sorry, AJ, what was that? Uh, just how big was that? Oh, it's just uh, under 10,000 square feet. Okay. Because it's very different. So the, the now now let's walk into the one you, you've just now done because it's very different, right? Very different. Yeah, I just bought that one uh, free and clear. And my wife, Jean, so just bringing Jean into this conversation, she was uh, she joined me coming up on three years ago in our business. So she's... She was an executive at a large bank um, for years, had a team of 250 people. And we had some, so, so if anyone works with your spouse, it's kind of a, it's an interesting dynamic in itself, but um, she handles all the back end and integrations. So I go out as the visionary and the sales guy and make and raise money and, or get, get them financed and get things bought and then dump them over to her to make them make it work. She That's loves perfect. that little facility though. It's like her baby. So I don't think I don't I don't know if I can ever pry it out of her hands because she loves it so much. So so we've been managing <laughs> yeah. that one and we've got another smaller one we've been managing, too. And we've got some expansion stuff we're doing with those I can talk about later, too. Nice. And uh, geographic area. Those are um, similar. They're still in the Charlotte MSA. So they're they're like 25 minutes, 25 to 45 minutes from from Charlotte. Yeah. OK, but all self-managed. Yes, those are all self-managed. So we, and I, and I would say that to anybody, you know, uh, someone asked me this week, people call me all the time with stuff and they're like, do you think I should buy a smaller facility? 
And I'll, my first question is, do you have a facility? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then I think it's a great idea to buy a facility. Um, Cause I mean, you know, they're, they're not overly complicated at that level. And it's, it's just a great way to understand all the different pieces of it. So I couldn't agree more. I, and when people want to get in the storage game, everything, I, I look at them, I'm like, you know, the best education you can have is to buy a small facility and run it yourself. There's like, like you said, there's not a lot that you can destroy here. It's not like a lot you can go wrong. Right. But you're going right, to get right. it and you're going to understand it. And, um, it's storage is not like other asset classes necessarily. So it's, it's a really good exposure, especially before you want to go get bigger deals. Yep, exactly. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, just education without implementation is entertainment, right? So a lot of people just over-educate, over-educate and never actually do anything. And that's the the, you know, the best way to do things is to overcome your fears is to take action. Right. So yes. Yeah. You might fall on your face, but like you said, I mean, it's a smaller deal. What is the worst that's going to happen? And that's what, um, all my other buddies back that kind of were telling me about storage were like, dude, at the end of the day, it's storage. Like you're not going to fall on your complete face if you do it, you know, follow these basic parameters. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So, yeah, no, I love it. So, um, <laughs> now, the big deal that you've done, when'd you close on that one? You guys got your two smaller deals and were you actively now hunting for more deals? Had you made the decision or were you still doing uh, small multi and single family and storage and not really sure? Or, you know, how'd that, how'd that go? Did you, did you say we like this better or not? Or was it just a natural thing where you just kind of kept going? Yeah, no, um, it was it was deliberate for sure. Uh, we've been... So about a year ago, a year and a half ago, actually, I hired a full-time acquisitions guy from Marcus and Milchap to help me acquire um, facilities. So we, we're coming off of, um, I developed uh, 12 modular homes in North Carolina, and I've got a flex space conversion I'm doing near downtown Charlotte. And so I'm like, I don't have time to do this. Like, I want to do this 100%, but we had a a slew of projects and other asset classes and things that still need my time. So, um, I, one of the learnings, you know, I, I, so I hired this guy, great, super smart MBA guy used to buy, um, or used to be a broker for mobile home parks with Marcus and what we found out. So we, I had similar to single family, you know, I was building an acquisition model. So I've got offshore resources, building out a, um, database of storage owners and we're doing some marketing, um, but we were overanalyzing the heck out of these things at the beginning. Like we underwrote 38 deals and, and this gentleman's an awesome dude, but oh my gosh, we were just analysis paralysis, these deals. And I'm like, I'm never going to buy anything if we keep going this route. So <laughs> we, we on a positive note split ways, parted ways, because it just wasn't, it wasn't working right. And I'm like, if, if I can't explain this on a napkin high level anyway, um, you know, without needing a, um, 700 input spreadsheet, like to at least go to the next level. I don't, I don't want to even get involved with it. So, um, so that was a learning. So we've, I've been, I've had the offshore team, uh, building out, we've got, um, a database. We just use monday.com. We, we had Salesforce for our single family business. It was just too much overkill. Um, 
And now I'm at the point where, so storage is what I want to do hundred um, percent. We are just, I need help now. Like I need, I am, believe it or not, I'm good at deal structuring. I'm not the ultimate sales animal. It's not my, it's not really my, my skill set. although I'm really good with people and I can work deals when I, when I get the warm lead, but I just need like, like almost like inside sales horsepower onshore. So that's, that's what I'm, as of last week, I'm finally cleared out all of these other development things we were doing. And uh, actually, we just sold one of them today. It was good. I just came from a closing. And now I'm just doing an office build out for myself. Um, we had been remote since COVID in May of 2000, March of 2020. No, May of 2020. So now I'm building back out a really cool office space off of Uptown Charlotte. And um, we're going to do some cool stuff there. So it should be good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So walk us through this deal that, uh, that you got. How'd you find uh, this one? Yeah. You know that this is, this is really probably just shows you what my strengths are because it's more people and relationships, but I was hanging out with a buddy of mine, um, at a, at a real estate mastermind down in Florida in June. And he, he actually sent me a text and he's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to play hooky on this last day of this event? And he sent me a picture of a Polaris slingshot and he's like, I'm renting this and we're driving down to another buddy's um, and we're going to go out on, on the boat and hang out in a sandbar and grab lunch. Are you in? I'm like, yes, I'm in. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he, so he and I Uber over and pick up this slingshot and we're flying down, um, you know, there's a clear water beach heading down the coast. And about halfway there, there's like 18 wheelers and dump trucks next to us. And I look at him and I'm like, we both have families. This probably wasn't the smartest move, but Hey, we'll go with it. Um, so anyway, we're, we're, we're hanging out for the day. And on the way back, he's like, you know, and I know he had just gotten into storage as well. He had just purchased a facility in upper state New York. And um, he's like, you know, I've got a bunch of single family homes that I've got to refinance uh, like, like triple digits worth. And he's like, I think this deal, I've got five, five year financing with the seller, but I, I just don't think it's going to work out for me at this time. So I said, I, so we ride back, we get back to the hotel and I'm like, you know, I'm like, do you mind if I take a shot at that? And he's like, no, no problem. So he made an introduction to the sellers. Um, so I was going over the phone with the sellers and the sellers, I will say, and they're still very, um, tight with us today. I mean, they're great, great guys, two brothers, um, senior brothers. My wife is like, buddies with them now, like talks all the time. They still walk the facility daily. Cause they got like maybe, maybe every other day. Cause they're, they're just trying to help out and whatever. And they want us to succeed, which is great. Um, but we ended up packing up the kids and we said, Hey, we live in Charlotte. Um, this is in Kentucky. I love Nashville all day long. So we, we just cruised out to Nashville. Then Gene and I, um, head up, went up for the day, met with these guys sat down and we're really talking some of the challenges of the environment right now in seller financing. And I really was just trying to uncover what was the most important thing for them, which was getting the highest price possible because they had spent like 32 years building or 28 years building this facility. Um, so that's kind of how it all evolved um, as far as acquiring the deal or getting, getting a shot at it. Hey, podcast listener, are you looking at buying your first storage facility? 
but you're not confident in your numbers or don't know what risks may lie, well, we actually do feasibility studies for storage facilities that you can even provide to your bank. We do the underwriting, we look at the market, we tell you where the upside is and the risks so you can move forward in confidence and have a business plan so day one, when you buy that facility, you know what it's worth and what you need to do. If you wanna learn more about our feasibility studies, follow the link in the show notes. How did that conversation look when you were talking about seller financing? Were they open to it? Did they understand it versus conventional? How did that whole process go? Yeah, they were actually very sophisticated. They are very sophisticated guys. Um, they, I mean, um, the seller, he could run spreadsheets for you, anything that you wanted with amortizations or whatnot, but he saw the dip. Uh, they had been under contract with another group and the interest rate rates went up um, I think AJ, you and I were walking on the dock at like the Coeur d'Alene event, like two years ago, talking about this. Um, I had another $8 million deal under contract then, and it got blown because of the interest rate hike so quickly. And you were telling me that $150 million yep. portfolio blew up in the same day or whatever. Yep, so, that's right. Um, so these guys saw their valuation drop by like a million to a million four. And like I said before, getting that highest price it was their most important thing. So the only way I have done um, a good amount of creative deal structuring in the single family side um, over the years. So that was the only way to really accomplish both goals. And so that's where we started digging in on how we could get it done. That's awesome. And now tell us about the facility. Yeah. So the facility, um, so it's a, it's just shy of 121,000 square feet um, drive up. It's got a, uh, believe it or not, a mixed martial arts studio, if anybody needs to tighten up your jujitsu yeah. skills. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got a, um, they had just built a new office like a year before, and then they have like this, we also have this big area in the back, we call it the toy box. It's got, it's like a flex space with bathroom and everything else, so that'll... We just, we did go to a remote management model, which we were hesitant to do. Um, I guess I didn't talk about the third party aspect of this either. I'll talk about it, but um, we went to a remote management. So we were looking at, we knew that we weren't going to be able to scale up a third, uh, sorry, scale up our team quick enough to acquire this. Um, and I can talk about the down payment too, because that was kind of a cool story. But um, we, we knew we weren't going to be able to, to scale up in time. So we decided to go with third party and then slide over and become the asset manager and put on the asset management hat. So that has been really, so we interviewed like five different companies and met with five different companies. Two of them that are pretty big in the industry, um, one of them had a remote management model and one of them had a like full, full service um, person at a desk model. And we just, after talking to both of the owners, we decided to go, of these companies, we decided to go with um, the remote management, which I know um, you're cringing at that size that we're doing that based on what you teach us, AJ. Hey, if you can do it, you can do it. That's great. Bigger margins. Well, I don't, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It was about a $3,600 per month difference, but it wasn't really that as much as this, um, this third-party manager was doing like 200 of them this way in yeah. similar size, like not all of them were that big, but they do have a chunk of them that were larger yeah. they were doing. So including his own. So 
Um, so we decided to go that route and that was interesting transition. Um, so we're now, so to answer your question, that was November 21st, we closed. Mm -hmm. So we're like 10 weeks in. Um, so it was very interesting seeing how this all played out with, I just reviewed all the numbers with Gene, but, um, we, we lost about, we were at, so it was at 95% physical occupancy when we got it. Um, and it was about, um, 92% economic and now we're at, um, 90% physical and 95% economic because okay. we collected a ton of fees and things like that. Yep. Um, so we've increased, we saw the revenue dip initially. We thought it dipped about 8,000 bucks the first month. Mm -hmm. Um, and it did. And now we're back up like a positive 10,000 over what we bought it at. Right. There you so, go. It's just, man, as a jeans, like jeans, like, will you stop committing to deals until we get one of them? Like, you know, <laughs> can we get them into the system before I feel you, you Mike, I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I'm like, married life. I'm like, come on. Um, so that's, that's, how that's, that's how it works. How it I, we see it almost in all our assets. We take them over revenue dips, right? And you got to turn them yep. around. You got to clean up. That cleanup is revenue contraction. And the more you got to clean up, the more it's going to contract before you can get it to lift. Yeah. So we had, you know, the, the prior owner strategy was, and they still believe this, like, why would I have, you know, 60 units vacant by, by however you're going to manage it when I could have people paying like half as much, but keep them all in there. And so we were, you know, very respectful of their experience in that market, because here's the thing, it's not a huge market. It's, it's a 26,000 MSA. So we knew the risks. And I wanted to say this on this podcast, like there's so many people that wouldn't do this deal, but I use my own money and I know the risks. So I, like we identified all the, all the pros and cons and you just got to know your upside and cover your downside. And that's what we did. So, um, our idea, so so I was able to get ten year financing, and our idea is just to literally slow roll the revenue and just slightly increase it for ten years every month or every year. You know, and we'll measure it annually. But um, so that that was basically the plan, you know, because yeah. that fixed payment is staying right here for ten years. Yep. And with inflation alone, um, you know, if we if we ever decide to sell, yes, it's a smaller market. The REITs aren't in there, but I'm sure there's like a small family office or somebody that may want the, the cash flow, right? So, well, and especially you get into environment or lower interest rates, everything else like that. So you'll have your. I mean, it's you know swing. That's one of the things that you know, we're looking at even in today's market, right? I'm like, yeah, date the rate by you know by the asset because those things will change and that external stuff will obviously change, but it's what you can do internally, like you've already done 10,000 right more above. And then that's what matters. You keep bolstering that and you haven't even gone through a busy season yet. So I know, I know like, that's what we thought with seasonality and the change in management. And though, you know, there's been some bumps like this, this company uses their first tier customer services offshore, which of course ticked off a ton of people in that market. Um, things like that, that I'm not loving, but, um, you know, initially, initially we're like, wow, this is a bad idea. And then now we're getting it, you know, 10 weeks in, it's like, oh, it's actually leveling out, leveling out the way it's supposed to be, you yeah. know? Yeah. 
and then you'll go through a busy season and you'll add even more. Yes. Yes. So it'll be so, good. And we do, we do have room for expansion, but it's like in that market, we're like, let's just manage this asset as best we can for now. And, and tell around. me about the competition in that market. Are you kind of the crown one? We are. Um, I nice. wouldn't say say it by yeah. We're just by size for sure. Yes. Um, the the other ones are you know you you might get to thirty thousand square feet. Um, there's a lot of little ones like ten to fifteen thousand square feet sprinkled throughout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just operationally speaking, going from the way they were running it before to now, what did that process look like, and how do tenants interact with your facility now versus before? Did they did they use the person at a desk model prior or they they did yeah the two owners were there in the in the new um in the new office and they knew everybody right so um gene my wife she she kind of said like even here with our smaller facilities here um you know i know everybody and if someone's having a bad month or something or they have some legit family reason i might give them an extra like two weeks and so these gentlemen were doing the same thing just yeah. out of human nature right mm -hmm. um so the the bigger cat came in with all that's that's one of the downfalls of using this model is you come in with a one size fits all um corporate procedure manual right so yep. it's like so and so doesn't pay by this date they're out like yep. you know um you you try to call in your payment by phone nine bucks fee you know and so people were getting really ticked off and um, rightfully so, because it was a huge change. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been interesting, Connor. So now when they when they roll up, there's a QR code and it says like scan here and or, and or call this number and they can they can rent on site and the team on the back end walks them through it. So that did make me super nervous that we were going that hardcore. Uh, we do have a boots on the ground in the area that um, he checks in like he's great. He checks in like three, four times a week, walks the units, um, you know, overlocks and does everything we need to do there. And, you know, it's interesting, though, obviously, all every time we take over a facility, tenants, some tenants are going to be mad because you can only operate in one way and yep. you're changing something from what they were used to, right? So they're all, you're always gonna have people that are gonna be ticked off, that are, or they're gonna be mad. We are a much more rigid management structure, right? It's like, no, yes. here's the rules, here's what we're doing, you're doing it this way, right? And when we take over facilities, that doesn't really work for some. But what happens is you, you move over the population for that business model. So you will attract the people that work better with those business models. And so it's not even necessarily that one's bad or not, not but the shift itself, right, is a change up in tenants and how they can feel about it sometimes. Now, when you're in a tight market, though, lots of times that doesn't really matter, right? There's nowhere else to go right. and everything else. So you can really do a lot with that and you can, it is what it is. So you work on efficiencies and then you got to work though, to get higher paying tenants. In fact, tight markets can be really hard to find your desirable tenants because you just don't have space. Right. And so you're not actually right. having a lot of turnover and everybody's trying to get it. And so you could be passing up every day, your primo desired tenant, and you don't even know it. Um, yeah. And so that's why when we look at it, that almost aggressive style, that we come in with everything from rate management. So if we're really trying to match up with our desired tenant, 
And uh, that's disruptive, right? It is. And yep. management styles disruptive. But I'm also shocked at how people quickly get used to the new style. It, it does not take long. Mm -hmm. Well, and like yeah. you said, Mike, earlier, I mean, talking to the sellers previously that, um, you know, they couldn't wrap their head around, why would I have lower occupancy and higher revenue? And I mean, this is just a prime example of getting those better tenants in. Operationally speaking, yes. it just makes your life, everyone's lives a million times easier uh, when you yep. do have that ideal tenant that fits that model coming in. And um, they exist. <laughs> They're out there. Get them in your yeah. facility. That, that was the one thing with the management company. You know, they had a... Um, a, a younger on-site rep meet me, not that it matters, but it was just, um, her perspective was interesting, uh, to do the, when I did the closing, we immediately like transferred over and they were like, don't worry. Like, we'll we'll get all new tenants. If the, for the ones that leave, like that'll be better tenants. Exactly what you said, Connor. But I'm like, did you do the analysis? Like I did that this is a smaller market and we got to like tiptoe a little bit. Right. So, we ended up doing a, a price increase to in January to a third of the of the of the tenants. We have 645 units, and um, that did help with the price increase. But now we're waiting to see what our move in move out uh, ratio is for February. You know, well, but um, hopefully you get some room because you need some for the busy season. If you, if you don't right. have like right now, you know, we trend at our lowest vacancy. So, you know, we're here the first day of February is when we're filming this. And so right now, February is always our lowest occupancy month. Why? Because March, right? that we're yep. changing tides. We're going to the busy season. So we actually want units to sell. So hopefully you get some people to move out so you can fill, fill them back up. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. That would be great. So, now, so yeah, that's been a, it's been a great experience. Like I've just been, um, like my, my strategy thus far has been, you know, look at my existing portfolio. Like I, I look at all of our investments, no matter what they are and just say what, like look at them like a track, right? So each one's its own individual track. So say I bought a house, uh, cause I sold two houses to put down to 1031 into this facility, mm -hmm. which worked out great because I, the seller, this is why I tell people like talk to people and see what they need. Yes. And he just needed this to cash out by the end of the year. So I just put down another chunk of earnest money when I needed an extra 30 days. And he's like, do you need to sell something to buy this? I said, I don't need to, but it would be great because I'm shifting around things in my portfolio. So he's like, all right, cool. So that's what we did. And um, now I'm looking at like anything else like that has debt equity. Say I paid off a house 15 years ago and it's just sitting there bringing in 1800 a month, yeah. but it's worth 280. Yep. I'm like, well, 280 down on a storage facility. Yep. Can I trade that in for now an asset that I can get a lot more upside, either expanding or increasing operations, right? 100%. So, you know, I've been I've I've been struggling with I've bought I've brought in private money on on single family deals for years, and I've been sort of struggling with like, do I want to syndicate? Do I want to just bring JV partners, or let me exhaust all my own resources first, which which you know will happen at some point. And so, um, it's really the one thing I measure as I get older. I'm like dating myself, but it's really ROE, return on effort. Because you know what it's like when you when you make a um, you make a deal with a private lender, or an LP investor, or whatever. I mean, it's you have to your integrity and in the way you run your business. You're going to maintain that relationship. So 
it's just a different, it, I don't know. We've been, we're trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up with some of that stuff. No, a hundred percent. And it, obviously that's a big decision. I, you know, like to, to say, yeah, I own my business, everything else like that, but my investors are my boss. I work for them yeah. and I do, right? I work for them and I yeah. got to put in the time and the effort and I invest our own capital, everything else. So it's a, a, a big shift. And I remember it took me a long time to decide if I wanted to move model. Cause like you, we just used our own money. We just moved it over, right? We yep. refinanced, we worked, we bought, we built companies, sold them and kept pulling it in. It was just like nonstop, we were, we were doing it. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, if we want to do that, the ROE, right, as you like to put it, especially up front, is not good. In fact, right. we looked at it and was like, I'm gonna work way more for way less for quite yep. a while. Um, and so it's like, you know, we really got to scale this to, to make it worth it. But I think that your analysis on ROE, right, is like ROT, right? Return on time. Um, yeah. That's really important for people to do more so than ROI. And uh, yeah. um, it's, there's not a right answer. Everybody is different, right? And uh, it's that I think you're right too, obviously, the, the older you get that, that T, the R has to be really, really high because yeah. that's just becomes more important to all of us, right? Like my kids, I'm going to basketball games tonight, right? Everything else. So right. what with right. that that thought process though, what are your next steps? Are you just, are you, do you want to keep going into storage? Are you going to just take one at a time right now and keep buying them? Do you, you know, after this last one, which is a different from your other two, um, yeah. what, what's your outlook now? You know, it's, it's interesting because I have this, I had this, this, I own this warehouse in, in a hot area of Charlotte that that's, it's only like 10,500 square feet. And I got it approved for 10 apartments and some storefronts. Um, we were going to add to the top of it and then COVID hit and it just didn't make sense. So now I'm actually doing some flex space models where people get a furnished office and it's a cool old warehouse with like wood beam ceilings and stuff. Um, and I like the flex space as well. Um, so I'm really like, Gene and I really care about NOI. Um, we just want like monthly monthly income. Um, it's nice building things with a lot of equity, but you know, equity is not a serial called equities. Like you gotta, it's gotta churn out every month so you can, so you can um, live or whatever. So um, we've done we've I've done some creative zero down deals for packages of duplexes and stuff with people, and those are high monthly payments it's chunking down a ton of equity annually, but not, um, you know, you're kind of feeding the beast a little bit if you have a bad month. So we're trying to not do that kind of stuff. And I love storage. I want to do as much of it as I can. I got, um, another, an owner finance, another 3.6 acres that's bolted onto that first facility. I was telling you it's right there behind a CVS and a McDonald's and a grocery store. And I already got it approved for more storage. So, um, I talked to that seller, um, older guy, he's like very successful electrician business in the area. And he's like, you know what? I, I go, do you need cash or not? And he's like, I go, I wouldn't think you would with the amount of income you're generating. He's like, no. So I was able to work a deal with that where we just, I got it on a lease option, uh, for 18 months with a master lease, no payments. And I've got it where should be able to put 60,000 square feet on it at least. Um, so that's, I love to build stuff at the end of the day. I really love to build stuff. Like if I'm, if I'm having a relaxing day, it's me with a bunch of tools 
on a job site. Yeah. But I'm paying myself <laughs> 10 bucks an hour, but yeah. I'm enjoying it, you know? So yeah. listening to country music, like this is where it's at. Now, if I yeah. did that every day, I'd be exhausted, but yeah. I love doing that, you know? That's so, awesome. so that's what I'm, I'm doing all the trim in my office and everything. Like I just enjoy doing yeah. it. So you just like it. I just like it. It's like what I, it's what I will choose to do. Like if I don't do any more real estate, but um, not, not for other people, but just building stuff yeah. on my own place or whatever. So, so to answer your question, um, I've kind of got like three tracks. I'm looking at um, my, my goal is to take our current portfolio and get that into other investments um, in storage, either doing it ourselves, doing some in some of your deals or whatever, whatever makes sense there. Then I, I really would like to develop one a year for the next five years, just because I like to do development. So we'll see how the first first one goes here. Um, and then I think based on our acquisitions model that we built with inside sale, or in, we've got a marketing team and whatever, but I need to be able to follow up on these leads and whatnot in a better fashion. We just haven't put the work in there, uh, especially since we got this other one. Um, I believe as our deal flow rises, then I'll be like, Hey, Jay, I think I probably need to like JV this one, or maybe I do need to syndicate, but I'm going to keep like, I don't know. I just don't want any black swan events at this point. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah, you got to live to fight another day. Right. So 100%. I have a lot of buddies that are successful real estate investors in their twenties and they're just like ripping the bandaid off, raising 18, 20 million bucks, haven't done anything, but they're like, I don't care. I can recover by 31. And I'm like, yeah, I, I love that, but that's not where I am right now. So percent, a hundred percent. I'm right there with you. No kidding. As you, as you continue forward in your experience so far, are you going to continue with the third party management model or do you think you'll build out your own management portion of your company? You know, um, I will say this, this was a huge learning experience, by having your own that we've had for two to three years or three years. And then, so you know how it's supposed to go, even at a smaller level, right? Um, and then being able to see their processes and procedures and how they handled the transition and how they're doing it on an ongoing basis for a, for a larger facility, um, that would help us, Connor, if, if the only reason we would really shift is if we either buy so many of them that it just makes sense to 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 have a team, a bigger team to do it, or um, we're we're not happy with their service, right? So we're watching it extremely closely. I will say this group um, assigned us a new regional manager to them, um, which sounds scary, but it's not. He's so open to working with my wife on all, everything that she's like, Hey, I think we need to be doing this. And I think we need to be doing this. And he's like, I agree by the, by the way, we already did this and this. So it's really, they're just like, they're, they're like, we're really have a good teamwork going right now. If it, if it lasts. So if I can spend more of my time, you know, acquiring more facilities or raising money or whatever we decide to do, I, that's what I want to do, Connor, until it becomes a problem, I guess, or I inefficient. Yeah, there's another piece that I, that was important that you talked about with that piece of land, I believe it was you were talking about that's bolted onto the property that you have now and the coordination yeah. with the owner there where you, you asked the question, again, you dove in, you found the problem, you came up with a solution, but the question you posed was, you, do you even need the cash? 
which I don't think is even a question that a lot of us think about when we're looking at buying something, because the idea of buying yeah. something is exchanging, you know, some kind of currency, right? And so I think right. it's really important to point out that those are real discussions that happen when you're talking to these sellers of storage facilities, of properties, is they, their, their problem might not even be the need for cash. It might just be they need to focus on something else and it has nothing to do with the cash, just like that situation you highlighted. So just wanted to put some extra emphasis on that because such a key point that I think a lot of us get caught up in with this idea that we just have to have this money right now or we have to exchange right up front. There's there's so many just creative ways to structure those deals to where you can get in yep. right now today, solve a problem for a seller and you're off to the races. Yeah, Definitely find the problem instead of assuming the problem. And just because that's how the market works in transacting, it doesn't mean you're actually getting to the root of it. And mm -hmm. their their problem may be way better for you if you solve it. And so, oh, I love that. Well, Mike, uh, this has you know been awesome. I love your story. I love seeing you. You know how you're going. Obviously, your friend. I'm just so excited. I was so stoked when you got that deal. I was like, you know, it's it, and how it all works out. I love how you're 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 just talking to people, networking and getting it done when, you know, other people are like, oh, we're pencils down. We're, you know, we're not doing anything and we can't find any deals and you're out there and you just got it done. I think that's that's awesome. But uh, where where can people go if they want to get a hold of you, man, if they want to find out more about you? Where should we send people? Well, yeah, you can go to um, LinkedIn. I'm on there. Uh, I believe it's under Michael Moulton, um, Instagram, Michael T. Moulton, um, or my website, optimisticcapital.com. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always love hanging with you guys, either in person or virtual. So this has been great. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, you too, man. Thanks. We'll, we'll link all we'll that stuff soon. in the uh, show notes for you. That's right. So, Thanks, man. Thanks. We'll see you. All right. Thank you.